Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. It is great to be with you on this hot, hot summer day. I've got a sweatshirt on right now. I don't know what you're talking about. What is wrong with you? It's freezing in the room that I'm forced to sit in for nine hours a day. So outside, though, very hot. Outside, very hot. Training camp going. Ryan Leaf is there doing his campus tour or whatever. Uh, I'm sure doing some motivational speaking as well. He kind of does that now. Yeah, that's I don't know if you knew that. He he works in media. He does some media stuff and also I think uh, uh, a motivational speaker, which you know I think he's almost a decade sober now. So after all of the you know the story about him, maybe he's finally figured that out. Who knows? Hopefully, some of that stuff with him being kind of the first, not the first bust, but the most public one, and he's the first guy that you think of in that example. It's good to see that kind of rebound. That's something I'm terrified of. And you shouldn't be in this business, right? You shouldn't be afraid to put yourself out there. That is like a an insecurity of mine. I don't think anybody wants to hear my stuff or see me or anything like that. I don't share my work very often. I don't know if you notice this. On my social media, specifically Twitter, the one I use the most, I'm not really sharing anything. I'm, I'm almost like embarrassed of it. I'm terrified of being famous for being stupid. <laughs> I'm terrified of it. Uh, I mean, going viral for having such a bad take that everybody is just, ab- I mean, you know, that kind of thing. I'm terrified of that, and I shouldn't be because you need to put yourself out there. But uh, anyway, his life is what scares me. He's famous for failure. Yep, pretty much. And but on, then you get that second arc that he's in. So. Yeah, you know, you rewrite so your own story and all that. So, yeah, he's there for whatever that's worth to you guys. He's uh, He's on campus taking in training camp for Ole Miss right now. And, you know, we've heard from Lane Kiffin. Well, we've heard from the two coordinators on the defensive side of the ball. Separate messages, by the way, in terms of what, uh, how they approach their team with last year's results. They said two completely opposite things. Yeah, you had Durkin on the side seemingly of, we're not really going to talk about last year, whatever, move on, and then... Patridge, Partridge, I always say it wrong. The speaking of looking stupid and, and saying the wrong thing, but then he kind of said, "Look, we own last year. We were terrible last year. We're not going to make excuses. We should have been better, and we're going to use that as motivation." So, yeah, two very different messages from those two guys. And to you be hope honest, on the same page, at least, huh? You hope they're on the same yeah. page, being co-coordinators <laughs> and whatnot. But yeah, and, and that's actually something that I thought about a lot last season was. How much does having two voices in your ear, if you're a player, factor into how bad that unit was? And I've never loved the idea of co-defensive coordinators. I still don't like it. And I think that's kind of exemplified there by getting two different messages before the season even starts. So you can only imagine what happens when things start to break down. I do. It certainly feels like it's Durkin's defense. And... um... It's more of a in name only kind of thing. I, I mean, I that's just the without being in the rooms while this is happening. That's the feeling I've kind of gotten with this. But uh, who knows? Either way, 
We've heard from Matt Corral, who was asked a lot about John. I, I've actually got to address this. I've got to address this. I'll, I'll step back from the microphone. Because I had somebody send me a message asking me why I, I'm a hater. And it, for some reason, there are some people that confuse critical of football ability or not willing to award the Heisman Trophy to somebody with disliking personally. And the the only reason why I make jokes like that is because of the message I got. Like, Matt Corral, preseason first-team All-SEC quarterback, almost doesn't have many of those. Heisman odds. If you look at Dane Brugler from The Athletic and his draft board, Matt Corral going into the season is the third-best draft-eligible quarterback in the country. That's a top-ten pick. If he plays to his capability and doesn't have extreme blow-up games, he's a top 10 pick in the draft. That's what you have in that room. Why the hell is he being asked about Plumlee that many times? And Again, it's not a personal thing. It seems like a good kid, all that good stuff. Everybody knows that. But there are players, other players, in that offense, in that room, on that team— that are worth talking about, that are worth promoting, that are worth asking about. And there is a more, at least one, more dynamic playmaker in that offense that is not the quarterback. I just, that that's the kind of stuff that would frustrate me as a fan. I know the fans love the, the story of, of Plumlee, and I get it. Again, Mississippi kid, you know, dynamic playmaker, doing the selfless thing, and it's true. Wanted to play quarterback. You know, everybody wants to play quarterback, right? I mean, it's the most important position. Swallowing your pride, knowing it's not going to happen, and switching to wide receiver. That takes a lot. You know, all that. But as a fan, I would want to hear Matt Corral talk about Braylon Sanders, Dontario Drummond, that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's just the obsession last year over his backup. Every time Matt Corral would throw an incomplete pass on third down. They would cut to Plumlee on the sideline. Every single time. Every single time. So that's the kind of stuff that frustrates me. It's not that they shouldn't be promoting and happy for Plumlee. It's not that. He's, you know, he, he could be a dynamic playmaker, obviously a good athlete and a good kid, but there are others. And sometimes I feel like people in this business get caught up in one, and by getting caught up in one, they ignore the others, especially when you've got a Heisman contender, preseason All-SEC quarterback, who is going, if he plays to his capability, will be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. When is the last time Ole Miss has had a quarterback picked in the first round of the NFL draft? Eli Manning. Eli Manning. (laughs) You had Eli Manning in the first round, and then fast forward to Mr. Irrelevant Chad Kelly all those years later. And who is... Before Eli, I could I'm not, not a historian. Yeah. Is it his? I mean, <laughs> is it his dad? I mean, seriously, probably. Ole Miss has never. I say ne- again, never. That's hyperbole. They have not rarely had a guy like Matt Corral on that campus. Why don't we talk about Matt Corral? I don't know. It's it's a weird. It's a trivial gripe that I have. But when he's asked multiple times about his previous backup quarterback, it drives me crazy. It's just you guys are, are are missing what you have in front of you, which is a special, special player, and you're also ignoring 
other guys on that offense that are also special players for one. And I think it should just be spread out more. That's all. And I'll probably get a message from the same guy telling me that I'm a hater. I'm not a hater. I just think other guys are also worthy of attention and praise on that team. That's all I'm saying. To alleviate some of that, and I don't know how they necessarily decide who they bring up to you know, to speak to the media, whatever. Why don't you just have Plumley speak to the media? Get it over with. Let them get their questions to him directly. Yeah. Then maybe you <laughs> just, won't get as just many. Just let him get on the podium every time and let not every time. I'm just especially here early in the season, go ahead and get him up in front of everyone, talk about his new role, why he's doing it, how he feels like he's progressing. Then and we'll get that soon, I'm sure. But. Yeah, but then then you don't have to get all these other questions to everyone else because yeah, then it it detracts from the rest of the roster at this point. Yeah, and, and it sounds like I'm being critical of, of other media. I don't I don't mean to be. I'm certainly in no position to criticize anybody else. I mean, what am I worth? But I see something special in the quarterback, and he is not currently being treated as special as he is. Because you got this other thing hanging out there. That's all. That's all I'm saying. There are people that need to recognize what they have on their team right now. Whether it's media, whether it's fans, some fans that I talk to. Uh, The number is smaller, but there are people that do not appreciate really what Matt Corral can be. If, If he just matches potential, that's all he has to do is just meet expectations. He didn't have to exceed him. He didn't have to be special. He just has to be him for 12 games. And he will do something that no Ole Miss quarterback has done since Eli Manning. And that very few Ole Miss quarterbacks have ever done in the history of the program, which is over 100 years. And you've got that guy on your campus. And I don't think it's being talked about enough by by certain people because he is freaking special. And I don't think he's getting the special treatment as he should. And that's just my opinion. It's a trivial gripe. I know other people in this business work really hard, and they do a really good job. So it sounds critical. It's It just frustrates me. You've got special. Don't do the whole uh, Andy from the office, I wish I knew we were in the good old days when we were actually in them. Exactly. Or yeah, whatever the quote is. What is it? By. That's what, it, I think. It's... I wish you knew. I wish someone would tell you that you're in the, the good, good old, old times day, yeah. when you're in them. So yeah, yeah. that's what I, I want to say to so many people affiliated with Ole Miss right now because a lot of people are missing how special this kid is. Great, that's over, all. Great over the shoulder catch by Plumley though that Ole Miss football put out Heck on Twitter yeah. this morning. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's big so the, time. There is talent there, and of course. So and I, I bring that up to say neither of what we're saying means that we don't think Plumley's going to be successful. At wide receiver. Yeah. But we're saying... I think that move should have happened last year. Exactly. We're we're sitting here saying that the focus should not solely be on that. Yes. Thank you. Because I said this offseason, and there's a tweet for it, if you, if you don't believe me, that if I said what Plumlee needs to do is never throw a football again, something like this, I'm paraphrasing, play baseball in the spring, and in your downtime, run routes and catch footballs, and you'll play in the NFL. Was, I still believe that to this day. It was clear after the 2019 Egg Bowl when Matt Corral was brought in to lead that final drive that Plumlee was not your quarterback. At that point, 
everyone. And I then feel he like improvised because he didn't like the play call. And yeah. <laughs> At that point, yeah. it seemed like people in that program wanted Plumley to be the quarterback so badly. But at that point, everyone, I think, realized Matt Corral was the better quarterback. I'm not saying the better person, the better play, yeah. all this kind of stuff. So, and, and we're doing all this based on one message I yeah, got. Yeah. It was just a very passionate, well, we've gotten, very passionate message. Yeah, got. we've gotten messages before, back when we did the Sunday show, kind of on this same topic. So I yeah. know that that mindset's out there, and that's why I feel the need to qualify what we're saying with that. But the second that Matt Corral entered that game to lead that final drive, which should have been a game-tying drive, it was done. And at that point, Plumley should have made that switch to wide receiver because everybody had recognized the athleticism for so long, and it would have, you know, sped up that process. Buddy, thank God, seriously, that that was not a game-tying touchdown drive. <laughs> and it cannot be overstated. And when the, the top 25 came out, and it's just the coach's poll. I think in, in ESPN and the ones that people will use for broadcasting, Ole Miss will actually be ranked a little bit higher. But in the coach's poll, they were 25th. And it, it hit me, and I'm sure a lot of you, Ole Miss was so dead. Ole Miss football was so freaking dead. I mean, it, and it's rehashing a conversation people have had a lot, but today reminds you of where you were. And being ranked to start the 2021 season is hard to fathom, considering where they were in 2019. They were dead. Ole Miss football was dead. The fan base couldn't have cared less. You should have seen download numbers on this podcast and other places. Ole Miss fans were not consuming content anymore. They were checked out. They weren't going to games. They weren't watching games. They weren't listening to people talk about the game. They were done. Program, momentum, everything was dead. And then COVID hit. I mean, think about that. Ole Miss was dead in the water. If Keith Carter doesn't make that change, imagine... Oh, I mean, seriously, it, it would be... You guys out there can't see my face right oh. now as I react to that. I need to react with words sometimes <laughs> instead of just my face. But. In, in, in year two, going into the season, they're ranked. They will be, according to Bill Connolly of SB Nation, they will be favored in nine games this year. For some reason, Auburn was... And it's a mathematical formula that he uses. It's just a very good algorithm. Like, it's really good. Really good at predicting games. Really good measure of where teams are. Uh, Bill Connolly used to be at SB Nation. Started the S&P Plus. He's now at ESPN. They will be underdogs to Alabama, Texas A&M, and barely at Auburn. They'll be favored in every other game. And by Halloween, when that Auburn game takes place, if Auburn's trotting out a backup quarterback because Bo Nix is terrible, then I bet that would change. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I mean, if Ole Miss goes 9-3, and three, throw a parade. I mean, that would be incredible. But the, the fact that that's even a conversation that you're able to have, the fact that you can say you've got a Heisman contending quarterback, if he just meets expectation, you've got a ranked football team in year two, I would not have believed you. And there's, I was so pro-Kiffin. Like, I was like, this is a great hire. It makes sense. I would not have believed you if you told me, that Ole Miss going into the season are favored in nine games and are starting the season ranked, I would have said, hell no, there's no shot that's happening. Zero percent chance. Yeah, I think a lot of people out there would agree with that. And that word that you've used, expectation for Matt Corral, there's a difference between expectations for Bryce Young and expectations for Matt Corral. We've seen Matt Corral do it. It's just about cleaning up the turnovers, obviously. But the It's really one and a half games exactly. from last year. You, that's it. you eliminate that. And 
he is a real Heisman contender. The expectation for Bryce Young is that it'll be great because he's Alabama's quarterback. Yeah. But there's no proven result to tell you what that's going to look like this year from him personally. Yeah. So I think you really are in a legitimate place to win those nine games, maybe even ten games, if you just get rid of two yeah, not even two games from last year. It's and one and a half. I mean, the second same... half against LSU, he ran all over them. Yeah. I mean, he was excellent in the second half. It was just a monsoon, and it was it was too late. But it's right. a game and a half. So, yeah, reach that same level of productivity, eliminate the turnovers, and boom, you're there. All I'm saying is, that was a long-winded way from both of us to say, you're, you have a special quarterback right now. Don't forget it. And enjoy what you're about to see. Enjoy what you're about to see. We uh, really are about to see it, too. It is August 11th. So so how many days does that make? Month. Are there 30 days in August or 31? Let's see. 30 days has September, April, noon, 31. April, June, and November. Yep. So 20, 25 days? Let's Google it. How many days until September 6th? <laughs> That's not good. That's simple subtraction that I should Man. be able to do. <laughs> we are not going to be doing math. 26 days okay, until nice. September 6th. I was right. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, by the way, Jerry and Eli is uh, practicing. So, uh, No word on how that reporter from Louisville is taking it. So I, I made a joke about that yesterday on the, on the radio show. Uh, I, I said that, well, maybe that Louisville reporter knows that he's under double-secret probation. <laughs> and I got a text from a buddy that said, uh, "Our my group message, one that's not that I'm not in with him, uh, said, you're spreading rumors about Jerry and Ely. Oh, like, God. I was like, man. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I, I thought I laid it out as sarcastically as possible. But well, what you need to do then is shame him for not clearly listening to this podcast. Right. So get him to I subscribe. Said, I said, man, I'm just making fun of that Louisville reporter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's all I'm doing. Uh, yeah, Jerry Neely's practicing, uh, which, all joking aside, we knew the shoulder was good. We knew it was going to be fine. But seeing him practice... And the pictures from practice, since we don't actually get to go there, uh, that's encouraging. You know, I yeah. mean, you knew it was going to be the case, but there's a difference between knowing something's going to happen and then actually getting to see it happen and how different you feel about it. You know what right. I mean? Well, and with how secretive some of these college programs are, we've seen it in this state specifically as it relates to injuries. I never yeah. want to hear the phrase upper body and lower body He's injury. He's out with ever an upper again. body. So thanks, Joe. <laughs> So after we've seen all that kind of stuff, it is much different to physically see it or at least see a picture of it, of that happening. Yeah. So of all the press things that, that you've seen, you know, Corral, Kiffin, uh, I think Lebby spoke today, uh, so we'll talk about that on Friday. They've had audio problems, so that's why we haven't played you any. Audio's been terrible. And, you know, again, if we if we were there, we would record it ourselves and, you know, you know change it. But since... Uh, you know, we've got other business to attend to besides this podcast. Uh, we can't make the drives up uh, to uh, to campus. So we have to rely on the university and their audio feed. And Kiffin's was so bad it was unplayable on the radio. Couldn't do it, even after cleaning it up. And Durkin and, and Partridge, they sounded good, but you couldn't hear the questions at all. So they would be talking about a player, and the, the coach wouldn't say his name, and so you didn't know who they were talking about. So I felt like playing that for you guys would be 
confusing yeah. and, and not ideal. Today's the day, I bet. They put it all together. The it, one thing I will say, and I will, I will publicly thank the Ole Miss athletic staff for doing the transcripts after great? Kiffin's press conferences. The fact that they do that, and I feel bad for whoever has to sit there and type all that out because it's a lot of words. Unless it's some automated thing. I think so, it's, a, it's someone send me the link to that because I would love to use that. I think it's a program and I think it's an expensive one. Mm. And so I actually I know I know there's a transcription program. And what you do is you listen to the audio while it's transcribing and you can stop it and correct anything it mishears. So mm. that's that that may not be what they're doing. I mean they might have somebody like uh, in court, if you were done jury duty, oh. where they got that thing over their face, I've gotten out like of the flight mask. Jury duty, I've never had to do it, but I've yeah. seen uh, I've seen TV shows. Well, there's somebody in there. They're not typing anymore. They had they put this thing on their face. It's like it looks like a flight mask, and they are repeating everything that is said in the courtroom into this mask that transcribes then what well, is it said. Looks like Bane in court. from The Dark Knight Rises. It, they hold it up to their face. It's huge. It covers their face. You can't hear them, but they're sitting there repeating everything they say. It's crazy. So, yeah, thank you for doing that. That is something that I will always love the fact that they do. Is there uh, anything that you've heard that stood out? Uh, Kiffin was very Kiffin, as he should have been. Didn't say much. Uh, Matt Corral appears to be pretty confident. Uh, spoke highly of his defense. Durkin and Partridge, aside from the mixed messaging about speaking of last year, uh you know, they both seem to be excited about the potential of certain guys. Have you heard anything? Really, the, my main takeaway was what I referenced at the beginning of the, those kind of mixed messages from the two co-defensive coordinators. That's something I think that needs to be, you know, something that we keep an eye on this season. And if the defense does not improve, I would think that you see one of those guys go and it becomes one singular defensive coordinator. And... You know, if that happens, heads will roll in Oxford, I think, because you can't have this many years in a row of just an absolutely abysmal defense. Yeah, it's a massive year for the both of them. Uh, I mean, they were coaching with a a deck stacked against them last year. So you got to keep that in mind. But still, they did things poorly a year ago that don't exactly require talent. So, And from, from what I could try to make out i was putting my ear next to the speaker of my computer trying to hear the questions if anyone walked by my office they probably thought i was asleep on my computer yeah but some of the some of the players that they were bringing up as far as chance campbell goes and some of these newcomers if it wasn't already obvious that they're going to step in and play on day one it is now the way that they seemingly are talking about them. If I heard the right names, yeah, and, <laughs> and I think I did. You referenced on Monday the anonymous coaches thing. Uh, speaking of defense, because it, this quote stood out to me. You know, the Athlon anonymous SEC coaches speak on every team in the league, and sometimes you get some good quotes. Sometimes you get some things that I think are made up. But either way, uh, the one thing about the Ole Miss defense was this: anonymous SEC staff member said, "Quote." They just don't look SEC, honestly, talking about the defense. We judge that by looking at the front seven, and there's not enough size or grit. If you're big up front, you can maul them and hide the ball from that offense. They were light on the edges, and you could tempo them back and gas their front, which is why they ended up in so many of those track meet finishes. So uh, while that's true, definitely true, you can't argue that last year, 
Well, and we've talked about this before, but I think it bears repeating. When you look at, I don't want to say depth charts because it's way too early to even consider those, and even then they're kind of fluid and it's all rotational. It's, it's in all yeah, uh, and the NFL as well to some degree yeah. anyway. Especially now in a seventeen game season, I think you'll see yeah. a lot more of that at the pro level. But there's a lot of rotations in all that, so so depth charts aren't ideal. But when you compare last year's defense to this year's defense, they are going to look different. And I mean that literally. Like, there are going to be guys that you did not see on last year's defense all over the field for (laughs) Ole Miss. I mean, literally, they are going to be a different defense. It's not the same guys. There's a reason you had some transfers. You had a couple of guys realize, I'm not going to play anymore. Not like I did. So I got to find another home. That's real. There's maybe, in the starting 11, things change all that. It's possible, if not likely, that there are three guys that Kiffin did not bring in that start on that defense. That would be one a defensive tackle. Yep. Possibly a linebacker, one or two guys in the secondary. Yeah, then everyone else will be either transfers or even freshmen in some spots that, that Kiffin brought in I mean or Sam Williams also I mean yep. you know it, it could I thought that go anywhere from from saying. three to you know four or five but still they've the actually fact, they've even got Sam Williams listed as a as a defensive lineman on the website which is interesting he, he's a stand-up and yeah basically uh, I'd prefer that than then than them listing him at linebacker honestly because that's not exactly what he plays either it's that weird you know stand-up Russian kind of position, but the the turnover that that defense has seen from one year to the next, multiple new bodies at linebacker, multiple new bodies on the defensive line, multiple new bodies in the secondary, two of which are transfers that are going to play and play a lot, one of which is your best player on defense. Yeah, that's what Ole Miss looked like last year. They are physically not going to look like that again. They will physically look SEC this season. The turnover is pretty incredible considering they've had one recruiting cycle. And I can't remember now which defensive coordinator said it, but they were specifically talking about Otis Reese and the impact that he had and the way that he was able to you know, basically come off the scout team last year, play almost every snap on defense for the final three games or whatever he was in. And he was saying, now he's not the only one like that. He's not the only vocal leader out there. He's not the only SEC-looking defensive player on the entire team. And that's what he was last year, and that's why you saw him make such a significant impact in the games that he did play in. Yeah. Getting him for an entire season is huge. It's it's still just a shame that the NCAA is what the NCAA is. I mean, I, I still... We saw an, another example of that today that I don't think we necessarily need to get into now, but with the with the Baylor sanctions coming down, that was an absolute disgrace. There's really no other way to say it. The regular students got the benefit of having sexual assault not investigated and or covered up is should not be an adequate defense. That was the same garbage they used with the North Carolina situation. So Baylor gets nothing. When the NCAA admits that student-athletes, some student-athletes were victims of these alleged situations, by the way, um, 
they determined that the university did nothing when it came to stuff like this. Here, I'll read a quote for you, actually. Uh, let me find it. These kind of things, while you're finding that, it's just another example of how this kind of conference realignment and whatever you want to call them, these super conferences, if they form, they do not need the NCAA. They will be able to break off from under this and enact their own policies and enforce their own rules, which you would hope covers something like this because this can't happen again. No, it it, it cannot, but here we are. Here's uh, one of the quotes anyway. Baylor admitted to moral and ethical failings in its handling of sexual and interpersonal violence on campus, but argued those failings, however egregious, did not constitute violations of NCAA rules. Ultimately, and with tremendous reluctance, the panel agrees, is what they said. Um, There was more, too. I can't find it right now about um, football's uh, involvement in particular, where... um, they, they didn't even do the bare minimum, you know. So Mary Harden Baylor, Division Three school, won a national championship, had to vacate that national championship, got punished in other ways as well, more harsh than Baylor, you know, the regular Baylor, because their coach let his player borrow his 2006 Subaru. That was a national championship stripping violation, among other things, worse than this. Yep. Her, no bowl ban, no, no anything really. It was a, what, a reduction in official visits, a $5, no $5, scholarship, fine. anything like that. Just awful. But that's, uh, that's what they are. And that's, that's really the only thing that they have power over. A lot of, and you, you explained this to me a while back, of how much more power the conferences really have than most people think. So the NCAA is in charge of enforcement. So if this doesn't fall under your rules for violation, whatever, then what does? If it doesn't, it should. Yeah. I don't know how you don't revise your rules in the, you can revise those in the moment. Yeah, they can. And, and have that be, you know, punishable. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some guys at Ole Miss got some free t-shirts Jeremy Tunsil's dad got a few hundred bucks. God forbid. Ohio State players sold their own items, their personal items, for a little bit of cash. Which is legal now. Which is legal now. Baylor had this happen. Nothing. And people wonder why I hate the NCAA so much. All right, so we'll uh, we'll see what Jeff Lebby had to say. I'm interested to hear from him. It'll be the only time I think we'll hear from him, just like it was the only time we hear from uh, Durkin and Partridge. I believe that's how that's going to go. It's how it went last year. So I anticipate it going the same way. If the audio is better, we'll play it for you. And the podcast also brought to you by LBs, just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. Go by and see Greg and tell him that we sent you uh, weather in the 80s. A lot of rain coming, but this weekend you're going to have 80s. In Oxford. Maybe fall is actually coming, so uh, get behind the grill. That's the best place to be when it's 80 degrees outside. And And even if there's a little rain, either stand outside or you can grill stuff indoors like I do. Because, you know, it doesn't doesn't hurt. It's not as good, but the meat quality from LBs, it makes up for it. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, so get that at LB's and tell them that we sent you. Also, Advantage Business Systems, absms.com is the website's an office technology solution company that serves the entire state. So if you're looking for anything office technology related from copiers and printers and mail machines to, to phone systems, cloud storage, IT projects, data security, things like that, And it's a complimentary assessment they'll give you, by the way. So you don't have to pay them to come out and tell you what they offer and how much it'll cost you. It's complimentary to you. So if you want an office technology assessment, they'll do it for you. ABSMS.com is the website and tell them that we sent you as well. Uh, Before we close, is there anything that we missed? As I'm staring at my computer, there's something from Paul Feinbaum that says, who's your favorite SEC newcomer this season? And number one, and I guess it means new teams, but it has Arik Gilbert for Georgia, who transferred from LSU, so he's not new to the SEC. And then number one is Henry 2020, or however you pronounce his name. Who also was not a newcomer. Exactly, transferring from Tennessee to Alabama. So that that caught my attention here as as we wrap things up. Come on, Paul. These graphics. And I guess I understand what they're trying to say, like newcomer to the team, but, but we've seen them. We know yeah. how good they are. They're so not a newcomer at all. Other than that, I, I think we touched on just about everything. Yeah. Just recognize how special of a quarterback you've got. They don't come around like this all that often. So enjoy it while you can. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well and share it with your friends. Until Friday, y'all have a good week and we'll talk to you then. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. Media Production.